Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, it is Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish flying solo with you for the next two hours. We got a stacked show. We're getting ready for the Fantasy Football Weekend Trying to help you with all of your college and pro football needs. Jamie Eisenberg, of course, will be with us. And we'll get the ball rolling as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. All right, welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish solo on the show with you for the next two hours and would invite you to give me a call. Let me give you my phone number, not my cell phone, but the number to call this show, 844-843-6879. Again, 844-843-6879. Happy to talk to you about football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever, college football, whatever you want to get to on the show, we certainly can do that. Sean Glossamachia producing the show. You can catch him later today on the television at the betting window at 4 o'clock Eastern. Uh, but I do want to uh, talk some football here a lot on the show. Let me set you up as what you can expect if you're listening live. And then uh, for those of you on demand, you could just skip past this little 30-second part. Uh, okay, so on the show, we'll hit on the Thursday night football game, of course. We got the opening drive coming up next. Then some start-sit options. Sean's going to throw some... Trust or bust names at me, as he always does. Uh, also, uh, we are going to hit on Adam Gase's press conference yesterday as uh, one of the more entertaining press conferences I've seen in football this season. I think it slipped by a lot of people. You can catch it there on YouTube. I've got a college football preview with the top 25 games. And then, as we always do on Friday on this show, we bring you the very best, Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. As we review the Thursday night game and then get into the uh, Friday games as well. And uh, a conversation with Jamie that I will have later that I wanted to start off with you guys here on the show as well. Uh, before we get into the Thursday night game, and, and look, the Thursday night game, guys, let's be honest. Uh, the college football game between SMU and Houston, even though there was like 10 people there, was way better than the NFL game last night. And that has kind of been the story once again this season. You have to try and handpick the amount of games that you can find that are good evening games. In fact, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the season, there's no question that that Rams game against Seattle went right down to the wire, and that was great. The Sunday night game between uh, Atlanta and Philadelphia early on in the season was very wild. It went right down to the finish. There's been a couple of good games otherwise, but a lot of these games have been blowouts. A lot of these games have been unwatchable, and Sean is here telling me before the show that the World Series has been unwatchable, and honestly, uh, look, I mean, it, it's had some intrigue for sure. A lot of the off-the-field stuff has really overshadowed some of the on-the-field stuff. I think it gets more interesting when it gets to Washington. It's always interesting when a new team wins a championship, and that's, you know, I mean, Washington's on the verge of that. I don't know how Houston wins four out of the next uh, five, but you know, look, they're the Astros. They certainly could do it, but these night games have been duds, so to sit here and and talk about that for two hours, uh, you got to be out of your mind. Not interested in doing it. The one thing that I wanted to touch on here at the beginning of the segment 
And again, I'll touch on this with Jamie as well. Last week, David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals went into the football week with the expectation from fantasy analysts that he was going to have a role, at the very least, on the football field on Sunday. Okay? And I get it, and I understand it. Now, being an owner of David Johnson in one league and being an owner of Chase Edmonds in another league, I played David Johnson in one. I did not play Chase Edmonds in the other. And would I have won if I played Chase Edmonds? The answer is yes. What I saw percolating on social media on Sunday and even on Monday after Cliff Kingsbury had his press conference was the idea that beat writers for who cover the Cardinals are in fault in some way for this by not doing their job. Let me explain how this works, okay? I have been someone that has covered the NFL in the locker rooms, during practice, on the field. I've covered five Super Bowls in practice, on the field. I understand the angst for a fantasy owner. I get it. Believe me. I'm one of them. I'm hosting a two-hour fantasy show every single day. But you have no idea the difficulty of acquiring information, even the most simplistic information from a professional sports team. Does anybody know what I do outside of this for a living covering the Miami Marlins? And you could make the argument, whether you want to or not, that nobody in the country acquires more information as to the inner workings of the Marlins than me? The answer would be no. Very rarely do you hear me say I'm number one in anything. I don't like patting myself on the back. It's not what I do. I've been doing this show five months. You haven't heard it once. I'll do it today. And the only reason why I'm doing that is to let you know that it is very, very hard. And I guarantee you that a beat writer could come in and do a better job as a fantasy analyst than you as a fantasy analyst could do as a beat writer. Guaranteed. Here's what fantasy is. It's the same 8 to 10 dudes deciding on every single week. That's all this is. You don't even control the outcome of the game. It's the person you're playing against. More or less, it's fun. It's entertaining. It requires skill. And DFS, by the way, requires a lot more skill. I get that, okay? But in a season-long format, you're going to rip the writers from a team for not getting you the proper information or rip the coach? These guys are making millions of dollars. I'm frustrated, too. I'm the first one that said, oh, man, David Johnson, not oh, Chase Edmonds, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I wish I would have played him. A hundred percent, I feel that way. But being on both sides of this, I could tell you that going up in the locker room to David Johnson or Chase Edmonds as a fantasy analyst who has never done this before, you are going to crap your pants trying to ask questions. You are going to be scared. You are not going to know what to do. You will feel uncomfortable. This is the way, unless you're a pro, of being in that locker room. That's the way that it works. It ain't easy, man. It is very difficult. If you know a player personally or you know a coach personally, like some of the best, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, then perhaps you could acquire that information. But let me ask you a question. Did Adam Schefter report that? Did Ian Rappaport report? And they are at the top of their business. So we got to chill on this whole, oh, the beat reporters owe us that responsibility. No, they don't. They're getting paid to write about the team. Try it out for size and then get back to me. Tell me how it works out. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. I got the opening drive next. Don't go away.
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Fantasy Sports Today presents... First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. Time for the opening drive here on Fantasy Sports today. My producer, Sean Guastamacchia, and me. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern, full-time fantasy with Adam Aronis and Dr. Roto. Uh, they got the good time slot on these uh, football days, that's for sure. The 2 to 4 Eastern when you find out exactly who is in and who is out. Uh, it's a good time to be on the air. It's a good time to be live on the air, too, because you get those practice reports, and then you can make your adjustments. You can do your pickups, your drops, all that. So stay tuned to that show. It is coming up in less than two hours from now. All right, the opening drive. What is the deal? Patrick Mahomes, will he play Sunday night? Will Drew Brees practice today for the Saints and be back Sunday night? I need to know this, too. And then finally, the most bizarre situation of all of these is definitely Matt Ryan with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you may say, well, why is Matt Ryan the most bizarre one? And I'll explain to you. Uh, those of you who know me, you know that I do live streams on the Wager Alarm format with my good friend Howard Bender. We got one coming up tonight at 9 o'clock. And uh, we have to pick some NFL games. We've already got a lot of them done. But as Howard and I are communicating in this one, maybe someone can tell me out there in the universe why Seattle went from a three-and-a-half-point favorite Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then two hours ago jumped to seven. <laughs> so um, I'm guessing Matt Ryan's not playing this week. I mean, what else could it possibly be? Vegas knows everything. They're going to make adjustments very quickly on the fly. And so those of you who are wagering this weekend, if Matt Ryan is playing, then you could get yourself a nice little plus seven right now. But I don't think that is the case. It must be that he is going to be out. I don't know why that line jumped so high, but I can tell you I've been following these lines, and all I do is follow these lines all week long. So circle that game for sure coming up on Sunday. No question that if Ryan is out in that game, uh, Seattle will be maybe even higher than what they are now because Matt Schaub, I know he looked good last week, but let's be honest, they're going to get waxed. All right, uh, second down. This is it. Tonight is the game. World Series Game 3 in Major League Baseball. Look, I, I, got, I, I said at the beginning of the series, I thought this thing would go 7, and I thought the Nationals had a chance. There's no way if you gave me 100 different combinations of options as to how the series would go would I have Houston losing in Game 1 with Cole and Game 2 with Verlander. I, it just wouldn't have, it, it wouldn't have happened. I, I couldn't give you any scenario. I would have said, oh, Houston goes up 3-0, it's 1-1, it's 2-1, they're down 3-2, they're down 0-2 at home, going back into that place? It's been a madhouse there in Washington for the last three months. So certainly the game is on the line, no doubt about that, and uh, it's being overshadowed for sure, and this is a, uh, a tough one for me because this has been um, arguably one of the saddest baseball stories that we've seen in some time with Houston uh, 
having that incident in the in the uh, clubhouse and having to fire their assistant general manager, which they basically could have easily from the very beginning just said this, this guy made a mistake and suspended him or, or, or you know for months without pay or done with just discipline just come out right away and just take ownership of it and they did not do it and uh, this guy is is out of baseball and I don't know he's gonna have a hard time getting back in the other part of this is that you, as, as somebody that covers baseball I have to look at it two ways I'm looking at it in the one hand is that uh, you know the Astros play spring training in West Palm Beach and they have, and this, this club in particular, with this horrible story that's going on, and by the way, the way that they have bungled this from both an on-field, off-field, and PR standpoint, uh, this team has been nothing more than super accommodating to me in anything that I've ever done, including their general manager, Jeff Luno. So, uh, but bottom line is, is that they mishandled it. Um, they, they should have just got it right from the very beginning. They could have easily done their own internal investigation, suspended this guy, and this would have been done, but instead, after bungling it, the way to make up for it was firing the guy. And now uh, Houston is going to have to hire themselves a new assistant general manager. Whether or not this made a difference on the field in the World Series, I don't know the answer to that. But clearly, it's on the minds of these guys. There's no doubt. And, and A.J. Hinch, forget about uh, Jeff Luno having to answer questions about this. That's one thing. He should be able to answer questions about anything. Uh, A.J. Hinch is the one that really shouldn't have to be dealing with this stuff and here's what he's got to deal with on the eve uh, of the World Series today so that's my second one all right uh, third one this one hurts <laughs> this one hurts me because in looking at some of the Vegas win totals in the NBA for 2019-2020 I don't look I'm full transparent with the NBA don't watch a lot of it no uh, less than I ever have about it and being in South Florida, I watch the Heat games, and so whoever they play and come in, that's what I know. Uh, but going into the season, according to people that were smarter than me, a lot of folks thought that the Phoenix Suns could be one of those up-and-coming teams that ends up winning 35 or 40 games this season, coming off some brutal years, no doubt. The Suns have been blown out for a couple of years now. And one of the reasons why was because their nice young player, DeAndre Ayton, who was suspended 25 games by the NBA. And so, therefore, my dream of hitting on that over 28. Now, look, not a lot. I don't. I would never do a lot on any of these NBA things because I don't know enough about it. But it looks like I'm taking the L before this thing even started. And now it's going to be an uphill battle for Houston to even win 27 games or 26 games, I would think. So, eight and bad news for sure for the Phoenix Suns. And then uh, the final story here on my opening drive. No, not a Florida man story. No, not a Florida woman story or anything like that. Can anybody explain what in the world's going on with Kanye West? Now, Kanye West, in his time, uh, you know, one of the best hip-hop artists, for sure, out there, no question. First few albums among some of the best hip-hop albums of its time, 15, 20 years ago. But now Kanye West is a changed man. He has found religion, and he is suggesting to anybody that works with him, around him, or even people out there, to practice uh, non-premarital relations so so there you go non-premarital and this is coming from kanye west here okay so now look we know that people change we know people find religion and that changes them completely we also know that people change they find religion and then in a year they change back again and that's the hard part about this is trying to figure out it's like uh, being a flip-flopper like a politician kanye west could be a religion flip-flopper we just don't know the answer to that but this is what he's claiming 
and he's making this suggestion. And so if Kanye West suggests it, of course, there's going to be a lot of his millions of followers. The question is, will they follow the same path as what Kanye West did not follow when he was growing up? So uh, I don't know exactly what's going on with this guy. There's been some crazy stories with him in the past. I guess he was in New York uh, filming a video. Millions of people are showing up. He's got a chorus there. Uh, And again, as, as someone who practices religion on my end, totally respect that on his end as well. But I think that Kanye is asking a little too much to not practice what he's preached, but is preaching to practice it moving forward. Okay, maybe he's learned at some point, and uh, congratulations to him, for sure, for finding that as well. That is the opening drive here for this Friday. We've got Fantasy Football Trust or Bust, and that is coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Sean always picks some really good names to throw at me, so he will do it again today here on the show. Then we will be joined by Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports. That's our hour number two segment. So if you're listening on demand, just hit that fast forward button. Very easy to do. If you're listening uh, any way like that, just uh, go ahead and hit it and we can knock that out for you. I've got a segment later on that I want to talk about Adam Gase's wacky press conference from yesterday where the Jets, one Jets reporter in particular, just let him have it for five straight minutes, just pounding the guy over and over and over again. I don't think any way uh, Adam Gase survives uh, this season with the Jets. I mean, I, I a couple weeks ago, I thought there was a chance there. He looked really good. Jets came back really good. But how do you do what you did on Monday night? I mean, I, I you know what I think? I think this is the week that determines it. I mean, because I mean, they lose this week. I mean, they probably will lose. But if they lose this week, like, where, where is the comeback from there? Tough game, by the way, for them uh, in Jacksonville as well. All right. Uh, don't forget, like, subscribe our, to our show. It is Fantasy Sports Today. We are the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. But we are also working directly with our parent company, which is the same company, SportsGrid.com. And some great programming on television over over on Zumo TV. Make sure you catch us over on Zumo TV on Saturdays and Sundays as we bring you all the latest from a wagering perspective in New Jersey at the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands. I'll be right back with some more fantasy football discussion. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you here on the show as we got you till 2 o'clock Eastern. And then we turn it over to full-time fantasy. We got you uh, every day here, Monday through Friday. And uh, make sure you tune in to us because as we get deeper into the fantasy football season, what we'll do is we will pivot over to some other discussions as well. We got college basketball getting ready to start up. Of course, the NBA is here as well. So anything that's on the docket, so to speak, we will definitely uh, hit you up with. So uh, stay tuned to that. We got Trust or Bust coming up in about 15 minutes. It's always a fun segment. Uh, Stay tuned to that. So I, I don't get this one. I'm not following here. Matt Ryan resumed practicing today. 
Okay, so that's what the report is. This came out at 11.15. Jason Butt is the name of the reporter. And let's go ahead and let's check this uh, updated line to see if that's been adjusted. It now, it's now Seattle minus seven. It's gone even up further. I don't get this one at all. How do, how do you make Seattle minus three and then move them to seven with Ryan playing? This is, this is a baffling one for me to figure out. I, I'm going to have to try after the show somehow and sort it out. Uh, let me give you some other updates. Oh, yeah, so you heard my, my segment at the beginning of the show. If not, it was a little tirade going off against fantasy uh, players who think that they have the right to know the intricacies of what's going on in a, in a clubhouse or a locker room. Guess what? It's tough. It ain't easy. David Johnson today, uh, Cardinals general manager Steve Keim said he's a game-time decision against the Saints on Sunday. Now, look. Don't make the same mistake that you made last week. Uh, look, they're, they got to play this kind of game. Uh, you, you need to understand more about what's going on with the Cardinals. Now, look, if they were in a situation where after seven games they were 1-6 or 0-7 oh or 2-5, and five, maybe this wouldn't be so intriguing. But guess what? The Cardinals are 3-3-1 three, three and one on the season. They are not out of this thing. There, there, there's still enough games to go where Arizona could pull off a nine, six, and one. Why not? Are they that bad? They've played better lately, and some of the teams that they played against, including the team that they tied, I think that they're better than the Lions. So I get what they're doing. There's some gamesmanship going on, but from a fantasy perspective, look, you're you're playing Chase Edmonds, and um, you know that's pretty much the end of the story. Uh, update from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel this morning. On Devontae Adams, uh, Adams has yet to practice, but the quote that they've used here is that he feels 2 million times better. Why not 3 million for Devontae Adams? Uh, you know, why not that? I, I would have liked to see them say 3 million. That would have been my opinion. I would have felt a lot better with 4 million. But no, he said 2 million. So uh, that's kind of where we're at there at this point. You're probably going to have to play uh, Valdez-Scantling, maybe Geronimo Allison. I picked up Lazard, Alan Lazard, last week. I didn't play him. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know there's any use for him. Uh, Jimmy Graham, you know, Jimmy Graham is, is proving me wrong week after week. Jimmy Graham looks like the tin man out there. I don't know that he can really move around a lot, but somehow he's a big body and he seems to be getting open. And Rodgers, yeah, I mean, he's liked his tight ends through the years. He's thrown to them. You guys may remember the one tight end. Do you remember the one tight end on Green Bay who was supposed to be the next coming of Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates that was like the third or fourth tight end off the board year after year but never lived up to that promise? Do you remember the name of that guy? Jermichael Finley. Everyone remembers that name, Jermichael Finley. I've, I probably had him. You probably had him once upon a time in fantasy. So uh, that game is Sunday night. Interesting line on that one as well, provided that Patrick Mahomes uh, doesn't play. Then I think that you could be looking at a little bit of a higher line, but Vegas did adjust the uh, Packers to minus three and a half. So, uh, so let's go with that. So uh, Packers minus three and a half against the Chiefs on Sunday night. Uh, I was an owner of Josh Gordon in a couple of leagues this week, so I'll give you the same recommendation that I gave to myself. 
I added Philip Dorsett in a number of leagues. I did not grab Mohamed Sanu, although I think that Sanu will have a factor in the offense. But my co-host Joe Pizapia made a really good point, and I think that this will carry itself out. As New England gets into the months of November and December, they clearly become more of a running team. And those little dump passes to James White may actually take over a little bit more. I would guess that that's kind of the way that they decide to go. And uh, and that would be my advice there. Um, also, Carolina and San Francisco. The 49ers this week are going to get the ultimate test. I We've said that now a few weeks in a row. But this is really a good test. Because Tampa Bay showed a little bit of a blueprint for how to stop Christian McCaffrey. But the Panthers have played absolutely great when Kyle Allen's been at quarterback. And the 49ers, the weather was a huge factor last week in that game, but they, I don't know, there's still something a little missing for me. The 49ers remind me, the 2019 49ers remind me of the 2018 Chicago Bears. That's kind of like an upstart team that no one expected. They're going to end up winning 11, 12 games maybe get themselves into the NFC Championship, but I just don't see them yet as a potential Super Bowl team. And uh, I may lean a little toward Carolina this week. I don't know. Just, I think that San Francisco wins, but I think it is a close game. Uh, Oakland at Houston is another one of those tough ones to call. I never feel like I have a good bead on the Raiders. I thought that they would show up against Green Bay in a big way last week. If you watch the game, the Raiders in the first half looked there like they were very much going to be in this thing, and then Carr, running toward the end zone, reached out for the pylon. It went through, and so much for that opportunity for Oakland in that game last week. So I think they show up this week and play better against Houston. Uh, I have not been impressed with Houston all season, although they did shellack the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. For everything that they say about the Texans, they're only 4-3 and three on the season. So um, do like the Colts better, and of course the Colts, uh, did a number on Houston last week. It's just they can't put anybody away, and I think that uh, in, in lies the problem. Uh, Cincinnati and, and the Rams, they're in London. The Rams are 12.5-point favorites. I am not impressed with the Rams. I know what they did to Atlanta last week, but I'm not, I'm not completely buying that they're all the way back. But again, if you're playing against Atlanta and Cincinnati in back-to-back weeks, the Rams, that's the way the Rams could get healthy. They could end up 5-3 and three out of this thing. And still play a tough schedule the rest of the way. But when you're getting these cupcake games, not that difficult. Andy Dalton last week essentially uh, did the, the Bengals did everything they possibly could to fight with the Jaguars for three quarters. And then Dalton in three passes just gave the game away completely. So kind of kind of think that they have no shot in this one. But Cincinnati has been such a great last second scoring team which means that that back door is always over for that. This is a game I think Joe Mixon's going to be all right in. I have a feeling that they're going to get uh, him more opportunities. I think he'll be able to run the ball a little bit on the Rams. The Rams have shown that they could give up some some uh, interior running. So uh, Mixon, I think, is a fire. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but I think Mixon finally this week is a fire-up kind of guy. Uh, also, the uh, the one of the weirder lines of the week is Philadelphia at Buffalo. The Bills are only minus two. And this is coming off a game where the Eagles looked horrible against Dallas. But there are just still a lot of people that are not buying Buffalo. Look, I was one of them at the beginning of the year. My favorite over-under in the NFL outside of Miami under five was Buffalo over. 
and and they are well within that. Six games in, they only need four the rest of the way to do it. So if Buffalo goes four and six, they go over that uh, eight and a half win total, or seven and a half. Was it seven and a half win? No, oh, it was very low. But Buffalo's got a great shot at accomplishing that. There's uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Chargers and Bears. At 1 o'clock Eastern, the Bears have gone from a five-point favorite to a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know how you can have any faith right now in, in what the Bears are doing, and I don't have any faith in what the Chargers are doing either, but the Chargers are pretty good as a dog, and if you took them last week, not much you can do about that when they mess up on the one-yard line. So uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel horrible about that. I may side back with the, uh, with the Chargers this week. Uh, Lions and, and Giants... Uh, right now, the Lions have gone from seven down to six and a half. The total is forty nine and a half. Uh, I know a lot of people are firing up uh, Barkley this week for sure, and I would guess Golden Tate in a revenge game option for sure. And for Detroit, Marvin Jones four touchdowns. I don't know that he's able to even get one in this game. Marvin Jones is like Mister. I do this one game, and then you don't see me the rest of the season. I feel like Stafford goes into a game and has a predetermined idea who's going to eat going into that game. It's like, okay, this game we're going to give Galladay his 10 targets. No. Now this game we're going to give Marvin Jones his 10 targets. I mean, it just feels like that. This has been going on for years. The only difference was they had Calvin Johnson a few years ago, and so that was the main target always. But Marvin Jones every once in a while is going to show up, and he's going to help you a lot in DFS. It's like if you play DFS all season long, you may as well just use Marvin Jones, and then eventually you'll hit on a tournament, right? Uh, Buccaneers, they'll take on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the report just came out here that O.J. Howard is out. So this disaster of a season for the Buccaneers and O.J. Howard continues as they're at Tennessee. Uh, Howard has done nothing, and you guys know how I feel about Jameis Winston. Winston has not been anything near what we thought he would be. And unfortunately for Sean, this is... You were right big, about that, day one. One of those big L's he's going to have to take at the end of the season. We'll see. Although we'll I will, see. It's a long season. I will say this. I will, I will tell you that this is a week where he will play better. He will play better. Because coming off those horrible weeks, he always plays better. So this week, I would expect 270, two touchdowns, maybe one pick. The next game, 250, one touchdown. And then the game after that, 180, one touchdown, six picks. Like, that's the way he is. Once, once, the, once the confidence comes back with him, it's a bad thing for Jameis Winston. All right, coming up next, trust or bust is usually a good thing for those of you who listen. And we'll knock that out, Sean Guastamaki and me, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mish, and follow us on Twitter, at FNTSY Radio. I'll be right back. Don't go back. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you here on the show. Make sure that you catch uh, Sean today, 4 o'clock Eastern, 
over on uh, At The Betting Window, and he will be live and ready for you to roll. No question about that. You can get in the game with a DraftKings Sportsbook. Listeners of the show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500, and here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account, make a deposit, place your first bet. DraftKings will match it, 50% bonus, up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users, plus new users will get a risk-free bet. Of up to $200, just go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. See website for details. You have to be in New Jersey to take advantage of this offer and eligibility restrictions apply. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And by the way, you must be 21 years or or over for sure, without a doubt. Uh, Quick updates from around the league. Uh, Darius Slay looks unlikely for week eight against the New York Giants. Detroit also traded their uh, linebacker. Uh, digs earlier in the week. Very bizarre set of circumstances going on with the Lions. But yet again, this is a Detroit team that every September they win a couple games, and then they lose 10 in a row. And that's probably uh, the way that they're headed. All right, it's time for a little fantasy football. Trust or bust? Do you trust me? Trust. Do you trust me? Or bust? You are so busted. Oh yeah, we brought back, we brought back we brought back the adult theme music. We did, we did. We, it's the old you, one. Yeah. Oh, Sean, well, you let me the, down. Yeah, the, the newer version uh, it didn't save. Uh, it, it expired, so uh, we don't have it on this computer. All so, right, well, we have this. All one. right. Well, I was I was looking forward to hearing <laughs> some Smokey. Ro- well, my Smokey Robinson made its way back here onto the show. Hey, 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 hey! Got to bring it back for yeah some when, laughs. When, okay. Yeah. When you okay? Well, there you go. We got some laughs out of it. Okay. All right, Sean. So here's how this game works. We don't know who wins or loses, but we certainly give our opinions in fantasy. And the way that it works during the week is that I pose these questions to Joe Pizapia, and when Joe is not here on Fridays. The way that it works is Sean poses the questions to me. And certainly, Sean, I'd love your opinion on these as well. We call it Trust or Bust. This is for week eight of the NFL season. And let's go ahead and get started and see what we got. All right, let's start. You talked about the New York Jets, Adam Gase. So this week, with that offense, the Jets against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are you going to trust Robbie Anderson this week? I think... You know, after watching that press conference yesterday, I'm so depressed. But I think that uh, that the Jets, they should have a bounce back in them. What you always want to do is side with the team coming off just a horrible performance in general. Not in college, but in the NFL. Because usually teams respond when they're so embarrassed and the Jets were so embarrassed. Uh, Shockingly, I am going to trust Robbie Anderson of the Jets this week. I'm going to project him to have four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown on the road in Jacksonville for Robbie Anderson. So there is a level, Sean, of trust for me with him. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, We could continue with Jets players, but let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Please, let's do that. Uh, Gardner Minshew, you trust him this week if if, uh, quarterback's on a bye and you you need to play uh, someone you know what? I'm starting league. to yeah. I'm starting to sour a little bit on uh, on Minshew mania. It seems like the second that Joe and I decided to bet him to win the rookie of the year, he just completely went the other way. And and look, teams watch film; they get to know these players. And and the thing that made Minshew so dangerous is because he was very accurate, which he's not been as accurate lately. But he was able to take off and start running, and usually get those five or six yards. 
And it looks like uh, defenses have adjusted, and they're treating him with not not somebody to cover him, but that spy, that linebacker that watches for him to kind of you know start running, and then they stop him. So he hasn't looked good running either. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think that this is going to be a good week for Minshew Mania. So I'm going to project 187 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick, which is not a startable quarterback in fantasy. And uh, and look, will Nick Foles end up playing for them? I don't know the answer to that. But I certainly think that uh, Minshew has earned the right to continue to keep going, kind of like Kyle Allen in uh, Carolina. I was just going to bring up Kyle Allen, uh, that Carolina at San Francisco. But the more interesting player in trust or bust, Emmanuel Sanders, San Francisco 49ers receiver after being traded from the Denver Broncos to San Francisco. You trust him this week against Carolina? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I mean, first game, new place. Uh, don't love the fact that Garoppolo isn't even sniffing 250 yards in any football game this year. It's good that they got uh, that they got Sanders, and I think that he will help. If I had to predict before the end of the season, I, I think that if I set a total amount of touchdowns for Emmanuel Sanders rest of the season, I'd say three and a half. That's a pretty low number, considering there's still eight games left. So uh, I'm going to say bust for me. My numbers on Sanders on Sunday are going to be three catches, 47 yards, nothing else. All right, uh, let's move on. Right, Denver at Indianapolis. Do you trust Deshaun Hamilton this week, Broncos receiver? Uh, I, I think Flacco will play better. Can't play worse, right, than he played last week. So usually guys respond. I think he will play better. Uh, Hamilton's had a hard time staying healthy. He's had a hard time staying productive. He's got a great name. He looks great in the preseason. He, he catches bombs. He runs around. I get it. But no, my answer is I do not trust him. The Colts defense is very good. They have not given up big plays. If if Houston is not going to get a big play on Indy last week, you're telling me that Denver with Joe Flacco is going to get one on this week? I think Hamilton catches more passes than people expect. Yeah. But I do not think that he busts out for like a 7-150 in touchdown game. So my numbers on Hamilton will be above Sanders. I'll go five catches, 57 yards, no touchdowns. All right. All right let's move on to the other side of the ball. Tight ends, Colts tight ends, Ebron oh, and Doyle. You going to sit down this week against tight the Broncos? Ends. Oh, so tough, so tough to call tight ends for sure. Um, look, uh, there, there's no doubt that Ebron is starting to come on more for Jacoby Brissett. He was at the beginning of the season not targeted, not looked. I know he was even cut in some fantasy leagues. I can't be starting Jack Doyle in a fantasy league with Ebron on the field. The only thing that Ebron seems to have a problem with is catching clean balls. Do you know what I mean? Like, he catches the ball. You don't know. It looks like he dropped it or he didn't drop it. And he always has that injury factor involved. Uh, I'm going to trust Ebron this week. I'm not going to trust Doyle. I think Ebron gets you 10 points in fantasy. So that essentially means five catches, 50 yards, four catches, 60 yards, three catches, 70 yards. Give him a point for PPR. I think you're getting a 10 out of Ebron. I do not think he scores a touchdown this week. All right, let's move on to the Bengals. Tyler Boyd, trust or bust this week? Boyd last week was very quiet in the first quarter. Second quarter dropped the ball. Uh, third quarter, his numbers, he had like three fantasy points. And then all of a sudden on the comeback trail, Andy Dalton decided to start throwing to him. And he threw to him, and he threw to him, and he threw to him some more. In fact, one of the picks that he threw was to him too. Uh, I think that Boyd in particular will have a good game. I do. I think that uh, Cincinnati in general, will probably only put up 7 to 10 points. 
But Boyd, at this stage, very similar to talking about Ebron, you're looking at about 10 points and 10 fantasy points with players that are hurt, like Devontae Adams, and you're looking for options as your wide receiver three, you could do worse. So I think five for 50, somewhere along those lines for Tyler Boyd this week. Last week, he lost a point for a fumble. I don't think that happens this week, but uh, I think Boyd does have a 10-point game. I wouldn't rule out a touchdown for him either. So give me somewhere between 10 to 20 points, and I trust a start this week for Tyler Boyd of the Bengals. How about Joe Mixon? Do you trust? Yeah, I, I, uh, I said that early on. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that the Bengals have to realize at this point Mixon is headed into the final year of his deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't know what his plan is, but I'll tell you this. I think Mixon is a lot more talented than what has been able to show. When I watch the Bengals, I've seen them every play for two games this year. I don't watch them every game, but I saw them play last game because we had action on uh, on uh, Jacksonville. They're, they're getting him in the backfield. Like th- This has nothing to do with Joe Mixon. Their offensive line is terrible. They're missing three guys already on the offensive line. Cincinnati has to find a way to get him productive. If you asked me in 2020 fantasy drafts, who is the Melvin Gordon of 2020? I think it's Joe Mixon. I think Mixon is going to hold out, and I think that he's going to ask to be traded or given a new contract because what is the upside for him playing out next year in Cincinnati? So uh, in Dynasty Leagues, I'd be worried about him. I think that the Bengals got to get him going in some way. Give him some confidence. Make him feel like there's something positive going on in Cincinnati. He's having a dreadful year. I compare his season this year to David Johnson's last year in Arizona. The bizarre part about this, Sean, is that Zach Taylor, the quarterback's coach, who's now the head coach of Cincinnati, is supposed to be this offensive genius of some kind. He has not looked like that at all this year. So I will say, shockingly, trust a mix and bounce back this week. Interesting. All right. Um, he's been disappointment all season long. All right. Huge uh, disappointment. Yeah. Uh, how about Josh Jacobs against Houston? Trust or bust? You know, I like Jacobs, and, and he is has been a lot better in in, uh, in a Raiders uniform than I even think that he's been in Alabama. I'm just worried about this shoulder issue that keeps popping up. He's had to come out of games and leave games. It happened in London. They came off the bye. It happened last week again against Green Bay. I don't know. Does he just have this shoulder issue that right. needs to be uh, surgery? So I know that most people are going to trust him in the lineups. I'm going to say no. Something is going on there. And I'm worried that he's not going to make it out of this game. And I'm worried that you're going to be hearing about some sort of surgery for this guy because uh, if his shoulder didn't get right, having 14 days off, do you really think it's right now going into this week? I think that he probably has a good first half, Sean, maybe 12 carries, 40 yards. But I'm concerned about his health. And I think that he gets one hit to that shoulder and he comes out again. We're going to have to at least ask the question, is there something up with that shoulder that could prevent him from playing the rest of the season? And this is a make-or-break game for the Raiders, too. If they want to be in it this year in the AFC, they're going to have to win. So I'll say bust for Josh Jacobs. All right. Uh, how about Derrick Henry against Tampa Bay? Trust or bust this week? One of the harder guys to call every week in the NFL. Two weeks ago, you touch him and he falls. Last week, he put together a decent game. He got himself 90 yards. I, I think that if you're asking Henry... To get you 10 points this week, I think you'll get it one way or the other. Does that mean he'll uh, he'll rush for 100 yards? Perhaps. If not, maybe it's a touchdown plus 40 yards rushing. That could end up being the more likely scenario. Points will be more available against Tampa Bay than they have been the last couple of weeks uh, against the Chargers and the Broncos. This seems like a pretty good spot for Henry to finally have one of those breakout-type games. 
I'm not going to predict that because after watching him this season, I don't think he's the same guy that he was last year. I don't. I mean, this this time last year is when Derrick Henry was startable in fantasy. Like we're hitting that point where all of a sudden he he went off for 100 and then 200 and then 100. I can't predict that, but I think I trust him getting you 10 points this week. All right, here's one. I, I don't know how. How are you going to view this one? Devin Singletary. We, we talk about him every week. Oh, Busterama. Really? Against uh, the oh, Eagles over. run defense? Yeah. You, you're not trusting yeah, him. Yeah, listen. I Devin see him Singletary. as a sleeper this week. A lot of people. No, are. listen. You, you, you saw him this week. Somebody else saw him the week before. Somebody else saw him the week before. Uh, one of the few guys I told you guys about at the beginning of the season. Great running back at FAU. Phenomenal keeper league prospect. I think that next year Singletary breaks out in a big way. Uh, but when you have Frank Gore in that offense, he's always going to get the goal line carries. Uh, S- Singletary is is not going to be a big factor on this team until Gore is gone. He will have eight carries this week. He will have 40 yards, and he is not a startable player in fantasy. Could he get himself a miracle touchdown? Of course he could. Anything can happen in football, but I would not be playing him in any format this week. And that's our Trust or Bust segment. we got the best of hour number one coming up. I'll be back live with you for hour number two in our first segment as we give you the latest updates going on around the league. Also, Jamie Eisenberg will join us. And that's what we're going to do here until 2 o'clock Eastern. Fantasy Sports Today is back in just a couple of minutes. Follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mish. Give you the latest going on around the uh, fantasy football landscape and also Major League Baseball as well. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. The one thing that I wanted to touch on here at the beginning of the segment, and again, I'll touch on this with Jamie as well. Last week, David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals went into the football week with the expectation from fantasy analysts that he was going to have a role, at the very least, on the football field on Sunday. Okay? And I get it, and I understand it. Now, being an owner of David Johnson in one league and being an owner of Chase Edmonds in another league, I played David Johnson in one. I did not play Chase Edmonds in the other. And would I have one if I played Chase Edmonds? The answer is yes. What I saw percolating on social media on Sunday and even on Monday after Cliff Kingsbury had his press conference was the idea that beat writers for who cover the Cardinals are in fault in some way for this by not doing their job. Let me explain how this works, okay? I have been someone that has covered the NFL in the locker rooms, during practice, on the field. I've covered five Super Bowls in practice, on the field. I understand the angst for a fantasy owner. I get it. Believe me. I'm one of them. I'm hosting a two-hour fantasy show every single day. But you have no idea the difficulty of acquiring information, even the most simplistic information from a professional sports team. Does anybody know what I do outside of this for a living covering the Miami Marlins? And you could make the argument, whether you want to or not, that nobody in the country acquires more information as to the inner workings of the Marlins than me? The answer would be no. 
Very rarely do you hear me say I'm number one in anything. I don't like patting myself on the back. It's not what I do. I've been doing this show five months. You haven't heard it once. I'll do it today. And the only reason why I'm doing that is to let you know that it is very, very hard. And I guarantee you that a beat writer could come in and do a better job as a fantasy analyst than you as a fantasy analyst could do as a beat writer. Guaranteed. Here's what fantasy is. It's the same eight to ten dudes deciding on every single week. That's all this is. You don't even control the outcome of the game. It's the person you're playing against, more or less. It's fun. It's entertaining. It requires skill. And DFS, by the way, requires a lot more skill. I get that, okay? But in a season-long format, you're going to rip the writers from a team for not getting you the proper information or rip the coach? I mean, these guys are making millions of dollars. I'm frustrated, too. I'm the first one that said, oh, man, David Johnson, not blow. Oh, Chase Edmonds, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I wish I would have played him. 100%. I feel that way. But being on both sides of this, I could tell you that going up in the locker room to David Johnson or Chase Edmonds as a fantasy analyst who has never done this before, you are going to crap your pants trying to ask questions.